Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Taha El Rahid. He's the CEO at Lama. Taha, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing at Lama is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. All right, great. Um, so. Basically, uh, I grew up in Libya uh, cool. uh, in, on, on the coastline, and um, I spent pretty much all of my young adult life in, in Libya up to the age of 17. Um, afterward, I moved to Australia to uh, finish my education um, halfway, not really halfway, but I think a year into the studies. I decided to switch majors. I was going to, for, uh, to finish computer science, but then I was like, you know what, I had a change of hearts. I went to graphic design and then again that happened to me and I moved from Australia to the US and I applied for a, a filmmaking school. Um, so I emailed a bunch of uh, film schools in the US and the first one that responded back was in, in San Francisco film school. And um, I moved there, uh, I spent a year or two years with them. And then obviously being in San Francisco, you just get inspired by all the tech companies and the startup scene over there. and um, it just got really interesting for me. And uh, so I started to hang out with different entrepreneurs and different uh, um, uh, people that have experience with uh, building technology companies and building other stuff. I was fascinated with technologies from early age, but um, but I've never seen it as a business until I actually moved to uh, San Francisco. I spent five years there. Um, I met with tons of people who are very inspiring and I feel like that's the best education I've ever gotten is to uh, be able to hang out with top level entrepreneurs and founders um, uh, for, for, for that being. And then I moved back to Libya and I started a tech company, hoping to change something here and add uh, a bit of quality to the life of everyone that lives here. Interesting. Okay. So walk us through what made you move back to Libya and actually come up with the idea and found Lama. Um, so ever since I was a young kid, uh, my family has been very fortunate and they've been very successful in, uh, in food industries. Okay. Um, and I was attending meetings with my dad all the time. When I was 12, instead of hanging out on the streets and playing you know, sports or doing other activities, I was just with my dad. That's cool. Um, you know, meeting uh, different people from across the world. Uh, we used to do with a lot of people from Europe. Uh, so you kind of into that business scene from early on. Uh, so I grew up with the understanding of how to build a company, how to make it successful. So uh, the family business has grown significantly over the last, you know, 20 years. And we're currently now the largest private sector employer in the country. Right. Um, Congrats on that. That's huge. Yeah. So uh, we have about, I think it's almost 2,000 people working for, for wow. the companies uh, that we have. 
Um, but I, when I moved back in 2017, I kind of wanted to start to do something different, obviously, because the fact that I was in San Francisco, uh, you know, being like the tech hub, I guess, of the US or the universe, um, um, I came back to Libya and I found that most people understanding of technology is revolved around, um, you know, um, just using Microsoft World and using the uh, uh, the internet just for, for fun, not really for a lot of beneficial stuff. And I looked at the developer scene and I found that most developers just build basic systems like point of sale systems and inventory management uh, systems. So there was not a lot of tech innovative products on the market that actually help save people uh, time and improve their quality. So one of the first things that I've seen when I came back in 2017 is that the huge lines outside of the banks, people trying to cash out their salaries. Um, usually one of the biggest issues they hear or the biggest things they hear all the time is the fact that the system is down. Um, so imagine spending hours outside waiting for the bank to open. And then once the bank opens, they're like, oh, shoot, the business and actually just the whole system is down and thus you have to actually come back the next day. And there's no guarantee that the system will be actually functioning the next day. Wow. Uh, and then and then when I was trying to get a passport issued, um, I went like four times to the office, passport office, and I was trying to get a passport. But somehow along uh, when I was waiting there, the system keeps going down for a very odd reason. Okay. Um, now I understand why it goes down because the system infrastructure was not built from uh, scratch to handle that many uh, uh, requests and to handle that many volume of people asking for new passports. So eventually after four, four days of waiting, I was able to get an appointment and then I went there and um, you know I was standing in a huge line waiting for my turn so that they can take the photos and the biometrics. Um, and, and really that really sparked the idea was like, why not do something innovative in a country that doesn't, it's not really known for its tech uh, solutions um, and to really put that system down mentality behind us because the perception of IT in Libya it's really messed up you know um, usually your parents or your family will tell you like hey go study engineering electric engineering mechanical engineering or become a doctor or a professor or some sort um, uh, of other industries but no one actually tells you to go and study computer science because computer science here is pretty much useless the graduates from universities we have a uh, believe it or not we have an it university or college in libya uh, multiple ones but the output that they produce it's not really useful uh, wow. you know and and uh, and the, the issue is that the market doesn't actually require developers because uh, all of the all of the old systems that were embedded in the country they were developed by foreign companies uh, oh. So even the passport system is done by a foreign company. Even the core banking system is all developed by foreign companies. So there was no need for developers to actually work in themselves because there is no demand in the market. Uh, wow. So you will see them graduating from IT college and then they will go find a job somewhere else. Like they might be working on a software, not software. I mean, they'd be working on IT, I don't know what, computer shops. Uh, yeah. installing windows and microsoft oh, suites and uh, fixing computers but that's about it uh, or if they're into programming they might build an inventory system or a, uh, a point of sale system uh, that is you know a product that they can sell and make money off but if they're into academics then they go back into the college and teach what they already know that's not really useful um, 
but there wasn't really much of a market for them. Wow. Uh, even, yeah. So even the perception of having a website, even for big corporations here, they don't really take it seriously. Um, wow. And most companies still use like, use like old fashioned emails. Like you'll have a big company that is like their capital is like in a hundred million uh, dinars, which is like $50 million or something. And they still use Gmail accounts and Yahoo accounts. <laughs> Um, without having yeah without having a proper uh website um but yeah so our our really focus was to try to build something where change the perception of it because it got really bad rep because every time you want to get something done they tell you the system is down and usually the it guys are the ones to blame so we wanted to even the play field and actually make sure that um developers that work in the country and people actually can produce new products that are innovative and hopefully change the perception of society on uh, the importance of IT and, and see it as something that can actually help them uh, improve their lifestyle rather than something that is useless. No, that's fascinating. Okay. So walk us through some of the other stuff you guys are working on at Lama because you guys are really building some innovative stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so when we were kind of putting our goals and the ideas that we wanted to, to build, one of the things that we wanted to start with is the fact that we want to build a solid foundation. And um, in order for you to build, to build that ecosystem, you still need some fundamental things and in which one of them is uh, a postal addressing system. So believe it or not, in 2017, and Libya doesn't actually have street names and they don't have postal addresses. Uh, so people are reliant on having a restrictive address where like, if I tell you, Hey, Kevin, where do you live? You imagine telling me like, Hey, you know, that gas station next to that church, um, make a right turn. And then you find Walmart. I live right behind wow. it. <laughs> wow. So that's how, how, how it is. Uh, and it's still like up to now, people are still utilizing that kind of way of telling people where they live. Um, so we decided to do, to do something about it. And um, 2017, we're like, we started to put the team together and start to think about some different ideas on how we can build a postal system where we don't actually have street names and we don't have uh, we don't even have city boundaries. You know, one of the biggest issues is that when we went to the government departments and agencies, we're like, hey, guys, how many cities do we actually have in the country? So to my surprise, um, at that time, the uh, this, the, the, the city count in the country was around 99 cities. Okay. Um, now it's 123 and growing. Um, so it's it, it's not really known because the political scene and instability has made it difficult for them to actually have a proper um, you know system where they like classify this as a city or a town or a village. Um, like every 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 two people want to start a city somehow. Um, so we're like, okay, cool. And then do you guys actually have city boundaries? Like, do we know where this city ends and where this city starts? They're like, um, not really. So we kind of got to a dead end with the government, uh, uh, in terms of like how we can build a system utilizing city boundaries. So we thought of a different product, uh, like different approach. And in which what we did is, um, we took the whole map of Libya and we divided it into different uh, squares uh, and the square size is 1.3 kilometers by 1.3 kilometers. So it's a mile by a mile, almost okay. a square mile. And every square mile is roughly 
you know, um, not roughly. I mean, it can can hold up to almost a hundred thousand addresses. So we can create up to a hundred thousand addresses, digital addresses, uh, on the map without having to replicate anything. And every square would have their own distinctive uh, code that represents that uh, thing, which is what we we what we have as a zip code or a postal code. Um, uh, and that way, we were able to identify location based on where it actually exists on the map and regardless of the city. Uh, so the address, uh, the way it's structured, it starts with a building number. And then because we don't have street names, we came up with a different way. Uh, instead of street names, we actually had a building type. So you know when you send a parcel from one country to the other or from yeah. anywhere? You need to tell them if it's going to a residential or going to a com uh, commercial address totally, because yeah. they have a different sorting system. So what we did is we embedded that into the address. Interesting. So now when, when you read the address, you would know exactly where it's heading. If it's heading, uh, like you'll read the address, you're like, ah, okay, this is an actual residential uh, address because, you know, the, instead of. Uh, you know, you have the building number and then you have like uh, letter A, for example, that represents the houses and the letter J represents companies. And, you know, we have the different categories. We have about 24 categories uh, for the different buildings uh, that we have. Um, fast forward, um, you know, a couple of almost two years of work. We currently now have almost 1.2, actually more than 1.2 million addresses created into wow. the system um covering more than 65 different cities across the country uh, that we know of um and uh, we know we have about 50,000 active users every month uh, and growing uh, um the application allows the users to get addresses and at the same time it actually provides them with a navigation app as well so you don't really need to use any other applications so Okay, so let's expand on that. So you're basically so if I want to go to my friend's house across town and I've never been to their place, I can use your app to basically guide me there, and I don't need any landmarks. That's basically what you're saying, correct? Exactly. Yeah, like they can just send you a link, and once you have that link, you click on it, and it will just start to get directions. And you would use it as if you're using like like any other navigation app, like Google Maps or uh, Maps Me. Uh, so you don't need to use that. So if you go into Libya, you probably download Macani, and that is what uh, uh, what you want to have. So you can get to your place or friends or you know because part of the other application, like part of what the application offers as well, it offers you a full guide, commercial guide. So like if you're looking okay. for restaurants, a cafe, uh, you know, um, or a hotel, uh, you can actually find it there too. So think of it as Yelp merged with Google Maps, TripAdvisor, all in one application. Um, but it's made wow. for local market. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Complete. I like, okay. So let me, I'm trying to just like figure out where, where to go next, because I think the fascinating thing to me about this then is, well, I could, now I can start receiving packages. Like how was I getting getting mail before you implemented this system? Um, so before that, you used to, I mean, we don't have that concept. Like there's no e-commerce platforms in Libya. Um, so government don't send you any parcels or they're not going to send any documents to your house because they actually have the system for it. But if you would want to get or receive something, you'd go to the post office and you open a, a, a post box 
okay. and you'll get a, a post code uh, or a, a box that you can share with your uh, BO box, uh, share it with uh, whomever wants to send you a package. And then if the package arrives there, you have to go and pick it up yourself. Um, so there's no door-to-door delivery. Okay, but now with what you've just outlined, I could yeah. send a package to your house, correct? Exactly, yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so then walk me through how does somebody actually onboard and get this address with you guys? Um, so we, what we did is we did two things. First thing is we actually hired a bunch of people, um, data entry team uh, in 11 different cities, 11 major different cities across the country um, in order for us to gather as much data as possible. So what we did sure. is we hired these guys and we, uh, every, every team member has a postal code that they go and pretty much door to door trying to like, they, they will input data utilizing satellite image. So they would exactly. drop a pin on a building. And then they go on a field trip and make sure that building, because on the top, uh, it might look like a house, but then if you go there, you might discover it's actually a, you know, a, uh, a commercial building. Right. So what they do is they, they drop the pen down on a, on a satellite image. And then after the first initial data entry process is done, they go on a field trip. And then from there, they enter, if it's a residential, we don't take any private information. Uh, we just mark it as a residential building. If it's a commercial building or a public place, we go in and we ask them for contact details and um, you know uh, the correct names and so on, uh, so that we can have it on the application as well. Um, and then the second part is what we enable people, and that really fueled our expansion into different uh, parts of the country, where the user can actually go online on on the application and uh, create an address and get an address within like less than ten seconds. Wow. Um, by themselves. So they didn't actually need us to be in that um, uh, city for them to actually get an address. So they can just get it online uh, use, utilizing the app and it's a free uh, address. They don't actually need to be anything for us. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you guys were physically going door to door because I'm sure like anybody in North America, I think a lot of us have seen, you know, the Google Maps driving around yeah. and, and the Apple car maps driving yeah. around. Um, it's interesting. Okay. So I'm curious then how did you guys fund this and how do you make money off the app? Yeah. So uh, the first thing is we actually went to almost a million like building across the country. Sure. Wow. Uh, and um, the, the funding was all bootstrap. Uh, you know, we, I utilized my family's uh, previous um uh, success and uh, we built on that and we we bootstrapped it and uh, wow. it's been very good and still continues to, to do so. Uh, we're just at this stage where we're trying to maybe go out and target uh, VCs and and so on so that we can get their expertise rather than just the money. Um, right. But uh, one of the things that we did is uh, uh, we're still pre revenue and the reason behind it is that we're not really we're what we did is we're trying to build this infrastructure in the country. So that, um, imagine this scenario, you have a piece of land, you create the entire road network. Now you own that road network, uh, then you can start to add services on, on top of that. So part of our revenue streams that are coming along, we are developing our APIs so that uh, developers can actually utilize the addressing system into their applications right. uh, and for logistic companies to actually start to utilize the app as well. Um, 
Other than that, we have a dashboard that is specifically for the government side uh, in which they're actually able to get statistics about where people live, what type of businesses are there, uh, so they can help them with uh, planning the city and wow. adding more infrastructure. Because uh, believe it or not, the government actually doesn't even know where people live and how many people live there because wow. we didn't have a census for a long, long time. So we actually have the most accurate, up-to-date information in terms of where people live and where the houses are. And uh, even even looking back at the different eras, uh, at least for the last you know, 10 years, the development has been significant. And we can see the people shifting uh, their location from one side to the other. And we, we, we know where people are located because we actually went on these field trips. And it's very recent, like you're talking about last year's uh, uh, data, which the government doesn't actually have. Wow, this is this is totally fascinating to me. So, I'm curious. Then, like, this is probably obvious, but like somebody like Amazon would want to move probably Prime into Libya because you have all these addresses now. You have a whole system around this, and you know they're obviously looking to expand, right? And other online yeah. retailers. Like, could that yeah. actually happen? Like, it sounds like you basically set up and and they could. You know, launch. a logistic thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely, it definitely one of the added benefits of having an address. Um, you know, we we did a uh, beta proof of concept kind of thing with a local bank. Okay. So Libya, because people don't trust the banks, and uh, so they okay. usually want to have cash rather than just cards. So you'll have people lining up on on the street trying to get their cash. So what we did is when COVID started in 2020 in Libya early on, um, what we did is we went to one of the local banks and we offered this really crazy idea. And we told them like, hey, what if instead of having people line up on front of the, the bank, we actually deliver their salaries straight, straight to their houses? Um, yeah, so what we did is we, we did a, about 400 different people. Uh, so we built this, uh, we built this uh, online application and that allowed the users or the people, the customers of that bank to go in and then input their banking details because um, there's no online banking here we're talking about very basic information like account number and uh, name and uh, id number and then we we what we did is we took um we allowed the user to pinpoint their address on the map so that we know exactly where they live and then attach a, a photo of the check that they wanted to withdraw um so they do that and then within you know less than 10 hours they'll have it delivered right to their house um, interesting it's like uber for banking exactly yeah you just deliver like delivery service for 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 money uh, uh, just to prove a concept like if you have that kind of i mean obviously we don't want to deliver money all the time but uh, sure. it was just a, a thing to prove like hey if you have an address you can just do so much more than having people line up on front of the the bank and and and, and then create that really unhealthy environment especially with covid when it was starting it was just a crazy thing happening totally. here um, so we did that and then we did, uh, another trial with a cosmetic company okay. here in Libya and we were delivering about almost 800 to 900 packages a month for them wow. utilizing the address. Um, you know, so we've seen a lot of growth the last few months and last year in terms of e-commerce movement here in Libya. I don't think the big guys are going to come to Libya because the market is very, very small and it's not very attractive, but it opens up the opportunity for local entrepreneurs to create stores and now actually have a logistic uh, um, way sure. of like, 
getting to people. So and, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we so, have a a an international. It's the largest logistic company in the MENA region. It's called RMX. Uh, RMX is one of the like it's like FedEx. Okay. You know, but of the Middle East. Um, and so they're operating in Libya. Um, and there are, uh, we're, we're in talks now to start beta testing deliveries to the door-to-door -door deliveries, uh, utilizing our addresses. Interesting. So you're basically building your whole ecosystem inside Libya and then allowing locals to almost create their own Best Buys and Amazons and any other e-commerce and then be, but be local ship local that's yeah. actually really cool and innovative yeah so think of it as like early stage i think the stuff that we take for granted while living in the us and canada uh you know having an address it's very basic it's like everyone have an address sure. over there and they're just like you don't even think how valuable that address totally. is until you go and like live somewhere else like you don't have your address uh, and and you see how much the struggle is um so i think i think the stuff that we took for granted while living abroad uh, made it like value uh, an address so much more now and and uh, trying to mimic that same experience where people actually have better access to different services uh, and we still continuously grow like we have uh, in the pipeline also one another project that we're working on is a, another product where it allows users to you know have access to services like uber or taxi services and food delivery services sure uh, so we're tapping into that market as well uh, because we own the infrastructure now, so now the most logical part is to move into uh, service provider. Totally, yeah, that's yeah. that's fascinating. Well, and then even like, and we don't need to get political, but even just yeah. to allow people to like vote or or let yeah. them just identify, like, yeah, wow, that's interesting. That's actually yeah. really innovative. So, so I think it just it's just changing people's life slowly through the economy. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, we there's other problems that we you guys might take i mean obviously being in western country taking it for granted is actually to have emergency services yeah. so can you imagine imagine having your house on fire and then having to describe where you live during yeah, that that'd be wild. <laughs> so so i think i think even the basics uh we're trying to cover we did a beta test with a police uh one of the police departments here as well in terms of like having people uh request uh, uh, emergency services through the application um, and then we did the test where we had one officer uh, and one car uh, go to an address using the old method in which the, the the victim was trying to describe where they live and then the other way was to utilize the navigation app that we have and and it was a very significant result we, we took down the arrival time by eight minutes wow and that's it. I, I've, you know, in, in case of fire or in case of medical emergencies or any type of emergency, basically every minute counts. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So, so yeah. why do you think that Libya never set up this system themselves? So anything that, if it's not embedded from the get-go in the government, because the political unrest that was happening in Libya, it, it, it really made it difficult for governments to focus on everything at the same time. Um, right. So, you know, post-revolution 2011, that's when the like, Arab Spring happened. 
most countries were in a chaotic uh, thing. And Libya was not any better than any of the countries next to us. Actually, the countries next to us had some sort of infrastructure. Uh, okay. Libya from, you know, I guess the last 50 years, it didn't really have a good infrastructure that in case of a chaotic experience, which we experienced in 2011, it could actually start to, you know, bring back some of that infrastructure back. But Libya didn't actually have that because it was all... Um, politically under one control and having uh, uh, just one dictatorship kind of mentality in which like they had the ultimate control. Even the postal addressing system they were trying to create pure uh, to the 2011 revolution. It yeah. was done purely for like for um, safeguarding uh, the, the government. It's not, it, was, it was more to do with uh, uh, safety and security of the government versus it being a useful thing for, for people. Uh, they they made it sound like it's an addressing system, like you can actually get stuff delivered, but it, it was never the intention. It was just to make sure that they know where people are living and make sure that they are able to monitor growth and people movement. So that was the initial stage. And I guess like after the 2011, uh, the project was kind of moving from one company to the other. It was moving from one department of the government to the other. So it just, and plus corruption obviously plays a huge role. You know, sure. you talk about tens of millions of dollars have been spent on the project. Um, and uh, when you look at the actual results, it's non-existence. Totally fascinating. Okay, yeah. so I'm curious then, what made you decide that you needed to be the one and the company to tackle this huge, huge problem? Because it's gotta be pretty daunting especially before you started? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> the love of having uh, crazy adventures. Um, and, <laughs> and the thing is, the benefit of like living abroad, it just opens your eyes on what's possible. And I think realizing that, as I mentioned earlier, taking stuff for granted uh, for so many years that I lived abroad, it makes it like for me, I'm like, hmm, why can't we actually have this stuff? Like, how hard is it? So it, it was just, you know, the love of actually trying to do something different and actually trying to impact, you know, like when you go to like San Francisco, yeah, unless you're creating a life saving, changing solution, you're not going to yeah. stand out, yeah. um, you know, and so it's like all of the basic stuff is already covered and the innovation is really slowing dying off we're getting used to the same technologies popping up from time to time it's not really new innovative stuff but when you yeah. go to libya or mina region in general there's a lot of potential it's just it's just out there people are the same everywhere they won't have to they, they all of people have the same needs same requirements uh same you know same uh, things that they want to get access to and when you go to libya for example you don't have these um, services available for you so if you don't do it, eventually someone else will do it. Um, but if you can do it, why not try and actually just go in and, and try to, you know, be the first one to actually do this kind of stuff. Um, so I think being first uh, and being able to have the largest impact is really what drives us. And the fact that we are going to see the advantages and the potential that this could create to the country. Uh, you know, and shift the focus of the world rather than being a, one of the worst countries in the world into one of the, you know, maybe hopefully we can start to export uh, our technologies to the rest of the world because we definitely have some great, great minds and hopefully change the reception of Libya because, 
you know, if I talk to any Western and they're like, hey, what's Libya? They probably don't even know what it is. But then if you mention Gaddafi, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember that guy. And that's pretty much it. That that conversation just dies right there. Uh, but um, people don't realize there's a lot of smart doctors, engineers, and other professors and scientists from Libya working, um, you know, in the U.S. and working in Europe. And they have great uh, uh, set of skills. It just the opportunity has not been right for the Libyan people to show what they're capable of. I think what we're trying to do is just shine a light, the positivity, and spread. Uh, hopefully, some of that uh, uh, former uh, influence in a positive way in the country. No, I, I think that's that's really incredible, man. I, I think that's that's really great. So, I'm curious. Then, you have to have some advice, and you've probably been through many highs and many lows. Uh, trying to implement something like this. What advice do you give to other people or how did you get through some of those lows? Because when you're trying to build and change and implement something at such a big scale like this, you got to run into issues and roadblocks probably constantly. Maybe not so much anymore because it's up and running, but in the earlier days. Well, one of the main things that um, we actually did something else. I think one of the other products that we forgot to mention is that we uh, uh, we built our headquarters in in the city uh, that we live in now, and we built alongside that is the largest co working space in Libya. Very uh, cool. And our initial thought was like one of the worst things you can have as an entrepreneur is not having a great network of 100%. people. Because having all the money in the world could not really get you everything. Um, but having the largest network can get you a lot of stuff. And, and a lot, it opens up so many opportunities for you. Um, and I struggled with that myself. But when I came back to Libya uh, in 2017, I was pretty much a foreigner in my own country. Because I didn't know where to go and who to talk to. Um, and eventually that improved uh, as I got to know more people. But... Uh, it just one of the best advice that I can talk, tell people is to actually go out and network, create your network early on, because that's what you're going to be utilizing once you start your business. If you have a really good network of people that you can uh, call, text or email or just hang out with, it just saves you a lot of downtime. Um, and uh, for me, it was the fact that uh, uh, when you're trying to create a product that tries to change people's life and improve on that, the goal is always going to be fixed, but how to get there, you have to be able to adapt, adapt yourself to the surroundings and make sure that you only focus on the goals, but don't focus on how to get there. Obviously be ethical, uh, but uh, really just have a goal and you just want to go for it. And that's it. It doesn't matter how you get there. Uh, you know, there's a million way of getting your, your, uh, uh, getting to your goal. It just making sure that you are able to adapt quickly to changing surroundings and changing political scene and changing like even financial uh, arrangements and making sure that you actually have a solid foundation that you go in and just do it with your heart. I think that's the main thing is to make sure that you build your network and to make sure that you actually uh, learn to adapt. Uh, starting a business definitely is not an easy thing. Um, don't start it for the money because there's a lot of high paying jobs available. Uh, but if you really have a goal and you want to do it, just go for it and make sure that you are ready to adapt and change every once in a while because the world keeps changing as you are growing.
No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. But like, how did you get through the day? Because you must have got people think like, this is impossible. This will never happen. You're crazy. You know, you've heard probably all those things. Like, yeah. how did you know that? No, 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 no. I'm on the right path. This is going to work out or I'm going to make this work because I think that can be so easy to quit during, you know, that that kind of part of the journey. Yeah, I think, uh, we, I mean, we had a lot of people do that, especially when we sold our project to the whole world. We worked for like two years without people knowing that we actually existed. Okay. Um, a part of that, because we don't want to have people say, hey, well, there's Google Maps. Why are you actually building this? Uh, there's sure. Maps Me. There's other apps that do this. Like, why, why, why are you trying to do something that everyone has already exists? And I'm like, that's true that they do part of what we are trying to do but at the same time it doesn't serve what we need as locals google maps or any other application that exists on the market it's an international corporation no matter how uh, you know great and how big they are they're always going to have downfalls especially with countries that actually don't have infrastructure there's no point for google maps to actually care more about libya you know they're rather spend the resources uh, elsewhere um, you know or the MENA region or africa in general um, but uh, for us, uh, as I mentioned, the main thing that when we face these criticisms and these comments, negative comments, our thought is like, are we doing something that's going to actually change people's lives? And if the answer is yes, we just ignored everyone. And we had a really solid network of people that were really like, we know them that they can actually give us good advice and make sure that we're, we're going into the, the right direction. Um, and just have a really solid support system. My family is supporting me, uh, you know, having, having, uh, uh, you know, that support system definitely made sure that I never quit, um, or not really think of it, uh, at sometimes obviously because you keep growing and the numbers don't add up and you're like, Oh my God, man, like, is this going to fail? Uh, but then I remember what we we're trying to achieve, uh, which is, as I mentioned earlier, if you have a goal, just screw what everyone else thinks uh you know and just go for it because eventually people are always going to have that perception of like well this is going to fail this is not going to do anything this is not going to be useful it's been said about all the great products that we have right now totally. uh, uh, so i'm like if, if these great companies that exist now believe those really backheaded human beings uh uh, uh and stopped what they were doing, we would never have even Google or yeah. have Facebook or have Amazon or, you know, every company has the bad side, but at the same time, those companies have great, incredible uh, benefits to everyone in the world and no one can ignore that. And the fact that if they believed or they took other people's, uh, when they were first starting uh, their, their companies as serious as uh, uh, they could have, they would have never succeeded. You know, no one thought, Tesla was possible. No one thought like Apple was possible. Um, you know, Amazon was a crazy project and now it's the largest company in the world. These old stuff that if, you know, if I think about it, I'm like, if these guys could do it, you know, it just shows that they went and believed that in, in the vision that they went and created. And that's it. They didn't really care much about what people think and and so on so if you have a clear goal just as i mentioned screw what everyone else thinks and just go for it no i think that's really good advice i also think that's really good advice obviously for people inside north america but 
outside as well, right? That you can make a big impact in your local area and you don't have to be, you know, in San Francisco or any of the other hotspots yeah. in North America. You can do it wherever Anywhere. you are geographically. And we have I some think... great examples. I mean, sure. just in the MENA region, there was a company called uh, Open Souk, okay. which is basically translates to Open Market. And it's pretty much the like the equivalent of Craigslist oh, cool. uh, here. It's a multi-million dollar company and it's very successful. It started actually in Libya, surprisingly, but uh, it was cool. an engineer. He, he actually studied in California and he came back to Libya and then he started this like Craigslist lookalike uh, um, web application and it's been very, very successful. They have millions of people coming in every single day to utilize the app. We have another example of uh, of success, which is Souq.com, which is translates also to market.com. It was bought by Amazon not too wow. long ago. Um, we also have Karim. Karim is the competitor of Uber in the okay. Middle East. And Uber just bought it for $3 billion. I think it was done last year. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of these things. So just if you, no matter where you live, there's an opportunity to create an impact. Um, yes, being in a country like that, that has infrastructure helps, but also being uh, debriefed from these um, infrastructure, it makes you think hard, like in more creative ways to solve your solutions, uh, solve your problems. Um, so if you're in the worst, there's no app for me. Uh, Libya is very virgin. It's, it's just an empty marketplace. You can just do anything here. Uh, and I believe it's the same thing elsewhere in the world where they don't actually have a lot of infrastructure as well. Libya is not unique in that uh, aspect. Uh, but as you mentioned, you don't need to be in North America. You don't need to be in Europe to become innovative and create successful uh, stories because success is always depending on what you uh, painted to be. It's not really, there's no rules and regulations when it comes to success. You know, obviously becoming uh, successful in North America means that you become you know, uh, successful uh, uh, in, 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 in creating a market validation. But at the same time, if you really want to get an impact, it doesn't matter where you live. Uh, and it doesn't matter what infrastructure you have. Uh, there's uh, like, if you go on Google and you just type in startups and innovative ideas in Africa, you'll see people have nothing. Uh, uh, and yet they created a successful business that solves their issues. And that could totally. be an impact in the world. No. Very cool, man. But sadly, we're coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you and any other links you want to mention? Um, yeah, I mean, we are, um, we have also a website, llama.com. Um, you can reach me if you're personally on LinkedIn or any other uh, uh, major social media network. Uh, Telling my my name, I think you'll have the links on your website as well. Yeah, I will. So yeah. Actually, yeah, that makes it easier. But um, but yeah, just um, uh, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, we're we're trying to grow and create the outside knowledge of Libya. So this is obviously one of the great experiences that we get to share what's going on here with the rest of the world. Perfect, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.